Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Father, we thank you this evening for the power of your Word. And as we look into the Word, we pray that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that our lives supernaturally transformed thank you because i'm anointed to teach and thank you because your people are anointed to receive in jesus mighty name we pray okay so we are going to examine some of the importance the the basic or some basic importance of the ascension of jesus now, one of the things Paul said, um, Paul was very big on the resurrection, that if there was no resurrection or if there was no ascension of Christ, then the Christian faith is useless. Now, one of the, one of the cardinals of the, of the Christian faith or one of the things that separates the Christian faith is the resurrection of Jesus. And that's very important for us to understand because if you look at other religions, their founders also died. But the one thing that separates Christianity from other religions is what? Is resurrection. So we do not just only have a man who died for us, we also have a man who was raised from the dead. Now, the, the, the subject of, of, of the, the resurrection of Jesus and the ascension of Jesus, which is the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus, are the very basic cardinals of the Christian faith. So we talk about the, the going to the cross of Jesus. We talk about the death of Jesus. And I've said here very importantly that the cross um, was not, the cross was important, but the cross, there were other people who, who um, there were other people who went, who went to the cross. Let's put it that way. Because when Jesus was on the cross, he was not the only one on the cross. Are we together? Alright, so Jesus was not the only one on the cross. There were two other thieves on the cross. So the cross was just a symbol of punishment or a symbol of, uh, yeah, a symbol of punishment. Let's put it that way. So when Jesus went to the cross, it was important that Jesus went to the cross, but it was also equally important that Jesus died. So he took our place in his death. But it was also, if Jesus had died alone and did not resurrect, we would not have the Christian faith. Why? Because the death barrier and the subsequent resurrection of Jesus um, fulfills. Now, when Jesus resurrected from the dead and went up to heaven, which is the ascension, one of the things that Jesus was to do was to take the blood that he has offered and present it to the Father. And we're going to see that in the book of John. So I need you to, to follow very carefully. Because in Leviticus chapter 16, let's go there now. In Leviticus chapter 16, and I'll show you something here before we go into the benefits. Let's look at verse 15 if I have my scriptures correctly. It was talking about the high priest. Now, I, I want to really spend some more time this year going into very deeper things of the scriptures. And I'm hoping that we will all come along in this journey as we examine and look more deeper into the word of God. Uh, just seeing the word of God going far beyond just meeting our needs, but, to, but um, absolutely understanding, you know, the essence of salvation, why Jesus came, who, who, who God is, and all of that. 
subjects. Now, one of the things you must understand is that the Old Testament, because we have a lot of people who throw away the Old Testament and feel like, oh, we have to just dwell on the Pauline epistles. Now, we understand that the Pauline epistles or the epistles written by Paul is primarily written to the believer, to the new creation, the man who, who essentially is the new creation. The man the new creation is the man who had received Christ, right? And you couldn't receive Christ until after Christ died. All right. You couldn't receive him until he died. Now, that's why, now, follow me carefully now. That's why Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John cannot, you can refer to them as the New Testament, but in essence, they are not, they're not really the New Testament. The New Testament actually starts from the book of Acts. The reason is because um, you cannot have a testament until the man dies. The word testament is actually the, word, the same word will. So we can either say the new will or the new covenant or the new testament or the old covenant. Now, until Jesus died, you could not enforce the new covenant because it was his death that releases the testament. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are actually, we can just say they are the history of Jesus or the Gospels. I, I, I rather refer to them as the Gospels. Then the New Testament starts from the book of Acts because that's when Jesus had gone to the cross. Now, in the Old Testament, the Old Testament is, is a, a picture. The scripture calls it a shadow. Now, a shadow is not the real thing, but the shadow tells you that there is the real thing. Alright? So, in the Old Testament, you have a lot of things that were a shadow of the new. A shadow of the new. What that means is that because God could not communicate to them in their spirit, because their spirit was not born again, God had to it kind of like act these things out so that they can understand. So one of the phrases you find very constantly in the Old Testament is that the spirit of the Lord came upon. You would always find that phrase. Every time the Holy Ghost was to move in the Old Testament, it would always come upon the people, whoever, Samson, whoever... God wanted to use. Why? Because the Holy Ghost could not stay in them. And what was the reason, we, we're going to look at that now because that's one of the cardinal uh, benefits of the ascension of Christ. What, why was it that God could not stay in them? Because at that time, God could not be resident in man. God was living in temples made with hands. So we have the Shekinah glory of God, which was a type of the manifest presence of God that was upon the ark. And so, in, in the construct of the ark, there was the, out, the, whole, the outer court, the holy of holies, and then the most holy place. Now, there was a high priest, one high priest every year from the order of the Levites, who were the priestly tribe, who would take what we call the sin offering. And after the sin offering was typified by a goat, okay? <laughs> the sin offering was typified by a goat, which... Um, at, the end, at, the, at, the, at the end of the year, whenever they wanted, wanted to offer the sin offering, the whole sin of that, of the community of Israel, were to be put upon the goat, and then the, the priest is going to lay his hands on the goat, and then, when we talk about the sin offering, we'll expand that. But let's go to Luke chapter 16. Because the way some of you are looking at me now, it's making me to almost forget what I want to say. <laughs> All right, now I'm just joking. Luke chapter, Leviticus, sorry. Leviticus chapter 16, verse 15. Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering, which is for the people. Observe the word for the people. The goat for the sin offering is what? Is for the people. Bring its blood inside the veil. Do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bull. And sprinkle it on the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. Now, if you uh, had the... Uh, I, I forgot I should have brought... But you know the picture of the ark, right? 
How many of you know the picture of the Ark? The Ark of the Covenant. So the Ark of the Covenant was like a box. So let's say this is the Ark of the Covenant. It was wood and then overlaid with gold. And then you have the two shirubs. Right. So you have the two shirubs, wing eagles. Now, both of the shirubs touched each other. You know, so they came like this, like an Ark over the, the, the wooden box. Now, at that spot, that's the messy seat. That's the messy seat. So what the high priest was to do was to bring the blood and sprinkle it on the mercy seat. Why is it to sprinkle it on the mercy seat? Because at that point, that was where they, are, they were receiving mercy for their sins. And you understand that if the Old Testament is a picture of the New Testament, Jesus had to do the same thing. Jesus had to do the same thing to fulfill the requirements of the law on our behalf. We're going to read that now in the book of John because that's why Jesus told Mary that he had not yet ascended to the Father. Why did Jesus say that to Mary? Because after the ascension of Jesus, uh, during the ascension of Jesus, one of the things that Jesus was to do or is to do was to present his blood before the Father at the mercy seat. And that is what secures our eternal salvation. Now, let's read. Um, I shall sprinkle it on the mercy seat and before the mercy seat, so he shall make an atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of their transgression, right? For all their sins. For how many of their sins? I, I want you to say that again. For how many of their sins? For all of their sins. So you must understand that there is no sin, past, present, and future, that is not covered under the sacrifice of Christ. That's very important. That is why when you sin today, and I know some of you will sin tomorrow, because some of you already are planning to sin tomorrow. <laughs> That's why you see that when you sin, Jesus does not go back to die again. Do you understand? If not, what's going to be happening is that Jesus will die to the point that they will see nothing to crucify. The body will be finished. So what Jesus did was an eternal offering for sin. So what that means is that when we sin, we now have a high priest that when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. When, what do you, when you talk about just, what do you mean? Justice, the legal requirement for our forgiveness have been obtained. So that's why you find that Jesus does not come every day to die for our sins. No, he did that sacrifice once and for all because the sin offering typified by the goat was only offered once on behalf of the children of Israel for all their uncleanness. So there is no sin too high that the blood has not paid for. Are you following this? Alright. This is not to say you go on with I mean a crazy lifestyle and say it has been paid for. That means you don't understand the message. Do you understand that? Because that's what we find around now. But that's not the gospel. Okay. So uh and because of their transgression for all their sins, and so he shall do for the tabernacle of meeting, which remains among them in the midst of their uncleanness. So the tabernacle of meeting was to typify the presence of God in their midst. So if you study the Old Testament very carefully, the children of Israel encamped around the tabernacle of meeting, which means that the ark was at the center, and then you had the several positions of the 12 tribes of Israel all around the, the ark. So if the ark was here, you had all the tribes around this region, you know, and the ark was at the center to be finding the presence of God. Okay, so let's go to John 20 verse 17 now, just a bit of background on that, and then we build on. 
John chapter 20 and verse 17. But are we clear on, on, on what we have said briefly now? Are we clear on that? Talk to me. Are we, are we clear on that? Okay. Now, let's go to verse, John chapter 17, uh, John chapter 20, verse, let's, let's, let's read the story, right? Let's read the story quickly from verse 11. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? So she said, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be a gardener, said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I'll take him away. You know, one of the things I want you to observe here, this is not really like what we're dealing with, but one of the things I want you to observe very carefully when you study scriptures is the humility of Jesus. Study every time about the humility of Jesus. When Jesus, you know, when Mary saw Jesus, he saw him like a gardener. Are you following what I'm saying? You see, Jesus always appeared in a way less than he is or he was. So even the day they were to crucify him, they needed somebody to identify him. You know, most of the concept of leadership that we have, and, and unfortunately it is creeping into the church right now, is that once you are anointed, then you are head above everybody else. You can't be like a gardener. No. Why? You must be the one that when they recognize, they just know that that's the anointed man of God. You know, but every time Jesus appeared, he appeared always in the estate of humility. One of the things that God put in my spirit very early in ministry was the wisdom of appearing less than you are. Just appear less than you are. Don't, don't, don't try to exalt yourself. Allow God to do that. When Jesus was to come physically on the earth as a baby, he didn't come in a five-star hotel. He didn't come in, the, in Herod's palace. He came in a manger. I know some of us, if we were to be Jesus Christ taking that assignment, once they say you're going to the earth to redeem, oh, absolutely, where am I coming from in manger? I'm not going again. Send someone else. We must understand that, that humility is very essential in the Christian faith. But let's build on. Let's build on now. It says, Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me or do not touch me. Look at this. For I have not yet ascended to my father. So, why is it that Mary could not touch him because he hasn't ascended to the Father? That's what I explained before. He was to present the blood of his sacrifice to the Father. Now, he goes on to say, But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. But I want you to be, I want you to listen very carefully. I want you to be very observant of how Jesus talks to Mary after resurrection. Jesus talks to Mary as the firstborn among many brethren. Look at those words again. He says, Jesus said to her, do not cling to me for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren. He didn't say go to my disciples. He says, go to my what? Brethren. Why is the conversation changing? Because by his sacrifice on the cross, 
he has now become one with them in the same family of God. Are you following what I'm saying? He did not say, go to my boys. He didn't say, go to my sons. He didn't say, go to my spiritual sons and tell them, Papa has a reason. No. He didn't say, go to my boys. He says, go to my brethren. Why? Because in this state, Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren. And this is a listen, if pastors will understand this, it will help us a lot. To understand that the fact that I'm your pastor doesn't mean we're not brothers anymore. There's really no gap between us. Are you following what I'm saying? Let me give you an example. I mean, you should honor ministers of the gospel. You should do that. But the truth of the matter is that we're taking things to the extreme. Why? Because you do not understand the concept of brotherhood. But let's build on. That's not what we're teaching tonight. To my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I'm ascending to my father and what? Your father and to my God and what? Your God. Can you see how Jesus talks to Mary? And here Jesus says, I'm going to my God and your God. To your father and my father. And that's Jesus talking to Mary. Who is Mary? Are you, are you following what I'm saying? And that is exactly what Jesus achieved. Jesus achieved this for us so we can be able to approach God as father. Jesus did not die so we can call him, you know, waymaker, the one who, who fetches water without basket, the one who lights firewood and the fire doesn't come out. He didn't, Jesus did not die on the cross for all of those names. He died so we can call him father. I'll tell you this tonight, and this is very important. To us, he's not the creator of the universe. He is our father. And that's why Jesus died. That's why Jesus came. He came so he can restore the same relationship that Adam had in the Garden of Eden so we can have that same relationship with God. The Bible says in the cool of the evening, God will come and talk with Adam. When Adam needed to name the animals, God just told him. In the relationship God wants us to have with him is not that of a miracle worker, way maker, changing changer, turn out story, you know, the, the catapults of heaven. Leave all of those things. He just wants you, he just wants to be your father and he wants you to be his son or his daughter. That's the essence. Because if God wanted to display power, he will not display power just to us. Imagine my daughter comes to me. I mean, she's five. And then she comes to me. She wants something from me. Right. I, and you must understand this. I'm not against calling those names and all singing those songs. I'm just trying to put things in perspective for you. Right. Imagine Zara comes to me in the room. She wants something. Maybe she wants biscuit. Then she comes and says, the husband of Mary. The son of David Ogaga. The pastor of KDCC. I mean, what do you think? You, you are laughing now, right? Why are you laughing? It's strange. I, 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 are, you, are you following what I'm saying? What do you expect Zara to call me? Father or daddy. I mean, simple. You know, if she keeps calling me like that, maybe she's a bit older, you will not start asking people that. Isn't that before Pastor Bob born again? He had one child. You, you, you know, because if, if, if she keeps relating to me publicly and calling me Pastor, 
husband of Mary, Carrie's father, you know, <laughs> pastor of KDCC. What, what are you going to question? A time will come, you start asking that. Is, is it that woman? Is, it that, is that the mother? Why? Because you just feel that if this child is really your child, you shouldn't go through all those protocols. But how much more? We do that with God all the time. Right? I think sometimes, this is not Bible, this is me. I think sometimes the angels just wonder that, like, are those guys born again? And God is saying they are born again. Say, why? You say, why are you asking if they are born again? Say the way they call you. Changing changer. Turn out story. <laughs> Invisible, immortal, omnipotent. And you know, that time, by the time this, especially us that are very emotional, by the time they start those names, we we'll start crying. <laughs> Let's go on. <laughs> so Jesus calls the disciples, my brethren. And addresses Mary in that state. Verse 18. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Praise the name of the Lord. John chapter 14 verse 19. Are you still here? Say amen if you're here. Alright. John 14 19. A little while longer and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Let's analyze that statement. It says, the world will not see me anymore. What was he referring to? The world was not going to see him anymore because he was not going to be physical. The world could see him because he is physical. But he's saying that, listen, something is going to happen. I'm going to the cross. I'm going to tell you something. Every time, when we read this passage right now, we understand what Jesus was saying. But you must understand that the disciples did not understand what Jesus was saying. They didn't get it. Are you following what I'm saying? So, we must read with that understanding that they did not understand what Jesus was saying. But we understand now. Now, it says, at that day, you will know, look at this equation, that I am in my Father. And you in me. And I in you. What exactly is Jesus talking about here? That after my resurrection, it will be possible for me and God to live in you. While Jesus was on the earth, he couldn't live in people. The Holy Ghost could not dwell in people, could not stay in people. And so, by his ascension, it's almost like he was solid, right? And then by his ascension, it becomes liquid in, in that sense. And he could now stay in everyone. So he's saying that by the time I go, the world is not going to see me again because I'm not going to be that one man who is walking the shores of Galilee, but I'm going to become spirit form and be able to live in everyone. And I and the Father will be able to live in you. What Jesus was practically teaching here was the essence of God in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, the domain dominion mandate where God wanted to be one with man and that is the essence of Christianity the miracle of Christianity is the fact that God can live in us mortal men and this was only possible and was made possible because of the fact that Jesus died and resurrected and went to the father on our behalf so we are no longer praying and our prayers don't need to go through the ceiling anymore he lives in us now 
Are you following what I'm saying? Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He says, in that day, I'm going to be in you. And the Father is going to be in me. And we are going to stay in you. This is the greatest thing that God could have done for us. Hallelujah. One of the basic beliefs of the Christian faith is the ascension of Christ. What then is the significance of the ascension to the Christian and the Christian world? Number one, number one, there are ten reasons. We'll do it four or five to tonight and continue next Wednesday. John chapter 16, verse 7. Go to John 16, 7 to 14. What is one of the reasons? John 16, pay attention. John 16, 7 to 14. These are things that establish you in the faith. So you have to pay attention and understand them. John 16, 7 to 14. Nevertheless, let's read from verse 5 very quickly. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Look at this word. It is to your advantage that I go away. It is to your advantage that I go away. It's amazing how many people would prefer Jesus to be physically present. And I don't want to go too far, so I won't disturb your pet doctrine. But it's amazing how many of us want Jesus in physical human form. And the word of God clearly tells us that if Jesus is not with us in physical form, it is to our advantage. Let's go on. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I'll send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Imagine people spending three and a half years with Jesus, and Jesus says, there are so many things I would have been able to teach you, but I can't teach you now. You know, you know, that's one of the frustration. I was sharing with someone. That's one of the frustration of the pastoral ministry. You know the frustration of the pastoral ministry? You have things you want to teach people, but there's no capacity to receive them. Why? You're still dealing with unforgiveness. You're still dealing with who greeted you, who didn't greet you. You're still dealing with the fact that pastor did not check on you. You're still dealing with the fact that, ah, this one, that one, that. And you, you know, so it's almost like you have to start teaching forgiveness again. And that's why Paul now says, when are we going to move on to perfection? When do we leave the elementary doctrines of laying on of hands, of baptism, and all that? You know, if I, if I, if I make a statement now that probably you haven't heard or you haven't researched properly, the first thing that's going to come out of your mouth is heresy. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? Why? It's because there's no capacity. And that's why, listen, your maturity helps the pastor to teach deeper things in scriptures. Because sometimes you ask yourself, why do we go all of these deeper things when we are still struggling with basic things like offense? Are you, are you following what I'm saying? How do you not, I mean, Look at what we're teaching now. There are things that we can investigate on the ascension of Christ, the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, and all of those things. But you now discover that you are teaching resurrection and 20 people have left church. So what will happen? You have to go and be looking after that 20 people. And when they come, of course, you're not going to tell them about resurrection because you just ask yourself that. <laughs> you know, I remember one time I was watching Chris. Uh, and he was saying, people say, you don't teach end times. You don't teach end times. He said, the things of these present times that I've taught you, have you used them? You want end time. You know, but it was funny, but that's the truth. 
Praise God. But let's go on now. Look at this. I see I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them. But this is the good news. But however, when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Verse 14, he will glorify me, for he will take off what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has a mind, therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. So what is the number one benefit of Jesus ascending to the Father? Number one, that he might send the Spirit of God. If Jesus had not ascended, we will not have the Spirit of truth. Do you follow that now? His ascension gives the liberty for what? For the Spirit of truth to come. Look at this. It is in verse... Seven. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. So if Jesus had not, had not ascended back to the Father, we will not have the Holy Ghost come upon us in terms of the spirit of truth. So the number one benefit of the ascension of Christ is the release of the spirit of God. Number two. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit of, on the day of Pentecost indicated the arrival of the presence of God and the presentation of the ransom blood of sacrifice, which we have read in John chapter 20, 20 verse 17. When the Holy Ghost came on the day of Pentecost, it was a sign that the sacrifice of Jesus on our behalf had been accepted by the Father and now we now have a guarantee that that sacrifice had proven true for us. Praise God. I said praise God. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. The benefit of the ascension of Christ. Acts chapter 2 verse 33. Acts 2 33. You know I chose to teach this in the Bible study. Because I just thought to myself that listen. People who make the sacrifice to come for Bible studies are people who actually want to learn. Really want to learn the word of God. And so we're going to be having very good Bible studies. Very very good ones. Not like the ones we're having have not been good. We're going to have Gouda ones. Is there something called Gouda? No, there's nothing called Gouda. Acts chapter 2, verse 33. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, Jesus, being exalted to the right hand of God, remember, after the sacrifice, what happens? You will sit at the right hand of God. And having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out these which you now see and hear. What was he talking about? The outpouring of the Holy Ghost. He says, because Jesus is now at the right hand of the Father, what you are now seeing now is a proof that the Father has released the promise of the Holy Spirit. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make what? Thy enemies, what? Thy footstool. That's Psalm 68 verse 18. So when you hear that, when you read that in Psalm 68, and say, sit at my right hand until I make my enemies your footstool, it is not a prayer point for you. Right. It's David in the Old Testament was foreseeing Jesus and his ascension. In fact, one of the series I wanted to do before I started, decided to teach this one was Christ revealed in the Psalms. And I wanted to go through the book of Psalms and show you how David said a lot of things about Jesus. Praise God. I was somewhere one time and someone was leading prayers and used the book of Psalms where David talked about uh, uh, the one who would betray me dipped his own 
uh, dip his hands in the same pot with me or something, depending on the translation you use. But I was talking about Judas. And the guy just said, the people that betray us are the same people we eat with. Somebody said, hmm. Hmm. <laughs> hands with you. See in the Bible. It's in the Bible. No, G- David could not prophesy. You know, because <laughs> the gifts of the Spirit was not released in those dimensions. So David could not speak clearly about the Christ, but he was actually referring to Judas. It's not a prayer scripture. Are you following what I'm saying? It's a shadow of the substance. The shadow was what David said. The substance was manifested in Judas. Praise the name of the Lord. So you have to be careful how you pray with the Psalms. Be very careful how you pray with them. Because some of them have already been fulfilled. I remember what we said about prayer. Hindrances to prayer. Number one, you have to pray according to the will of God. Praise God. So you cannot take this and say, you, are, you want to be seated until all your enemies are made under your footstool. He wasn't talking to you, sir. He was talking to Jesus. And this is already accomplished. You don't need to be seated for your enemies to be made under your footstool. The New Testament already tells us that we are seated with Christ. So you acknowledge your sitting position. You don't pray about it. That is why as we move on, we're going to deal with the Pauline prayers. You realize that every prayer Paul prayed was more of prayer of awareness and knowledge. That our eyes might be open. That we may know. That we might walk. In things that are already what? Accomplished. The believer is not praying to be seated. He is already seated with Christ. So that's how we pray. We pray from a position of sitting. I was, I was telling, I think I was discussing with my wife and I was telling her, I said, sometimes when you watch, no, I'm talking about in the Paraka church. I was telling them about hindrances to prayer. And I was telling them that you, if you observe our songs, sometimes because of the poverty, things are tough. We understand that. Things are tough. You know, because of the poverty around, you understand the nature of our songs. Sometimes, you, I thank God, I really thank God for Hillsong. God bless them. Bethel and all those guys, God bless them wherever they are and just bless them beyond their expectation. Because they just gave us things to, to just sing about. Songs that talks about the loveliness of Jesus. The power of redemption. Praise God. How we just want to worship him. How we fall in love with Jesus. Because if we're, if we're left with only our songs, you discover that our songs are full of rescue. He took me from the clay, set me on the rock. He turned my life around. Everything is double, double. Favor wife is double. Car double. You know, he, he gave me a house you cannot take. You know, things, you, when you listen to the song, you just say, wow. Even if you are not going through anything and they start singing those songs. When they start singing, everything are double, double. You know, you just realize that, ah, you need more. Even though you are blessed, you just realize you need more. You, need more. <laughs> you know, and some people even, you know, in the spirit of the song, don't say wife. You will still see somebody who is married in church say double, double. Exactly what do you want? You want another woman? You know, because there's this thing, you know, what makes me come into your presence? My helper. My helper. Oh, you know, you, you just, even if you don't have problem, you just feel like you have. There must be problems somewhere. I, I'm even a problem. Solve me, Lord. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> Why? That's why, you see, our songs must be consistent with what Christ has done for us. Amen. We are the redeemed of the Lord. God lives in us. The Father is in us right now. He says, greater, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You're not the one God is trying to rescue. You're the one he has sent to rescue others. Praise God forevermore.
Hallelujah. You see, if you keep hearing messages like this, you see, you feel confident. You begin to feel that, yes, I can take that mountain. But when you hear that this is your year of overtaking, you feel you are behind. <laughs> Hi. Open door. You just feel the doors are closed. This is your year of happening. You know, some things we say, you just wonder like, okay. Okay. John chapter, uh, Hebrews chapter 9 verse 24. Hebrews 9 24. You are a son of God. Amen. Come on, I said you are a son of God. Amen. Amen. If there are things going on in your compound, you're not the one to move. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You're not the one to move. You are there to govern. You are there to reign. You are there to redeem people. Hallelujah. If there's one light in the compound, you know people say, this compound, there's too much darkness. Pastor, that's why I want to... If you are not darkness too, if you are light, and there's so much darkness in the compound, why is the only light? Why do you want to leave? It means you are wicked. See, no, if I stay here, they will kill me. <laughs> then we need to take you through foundation class again. You know one scripture that comes to my mind so strongly about the life of Jesus? Many times they try to kill Jesus. But he says, no man can take my life except I lay it down. That statement, when I, when I teach you about long life, I'll teach you the power of that statement. He says, no one can take my life except I lay it down. I'll tell you this now. Let me say this to you. Nobody can kill you except you consciously lay your life down. And how do you consciously lay your life down? By the fear that they can kill you. Immediately you are afraid that someone can kill you. You have willingly laid your life down. You have given it so they can take you out. That's why in the book of Hebrews, he says that he came to deliver those who were all their fear, subject to the fear of death. Immediately you are subject to the fear that anybody can kill you this life. You have of your own will dropped your life to be at their mercy. You would think that in that fear you are paying prayer of protections. No, you have laid it down already. You must be conscious of the fact that no man can take you out of this earth except the Father. Are you following what I'm saying? See, when Paul wanted to die, what was he saying? Paul said, if I die, it will benefit me, it will benefit the Lord, but it will not benefit you. Okay, let me stay for a while. That is somebody talking about death. He wasn't saying God forbid. He was just discussing like, okay, so should I die now? Should I not die? Okay. Uh, if I die, okay, let me not die. Let me. I mean, that's somebody talking. <laughs> let me tell you this. Listen very carefully to what I'm saying. Death is an enemy. The Bible calls it source. Don't treat it as a friend. Are you following what I'm saying? I said, don't treat it as what? As a friend. Death is an enemy. Okay. So where are we now? Hebrews now. Chapter 9, verse 24. For Christ... Let's look at verse uh, 23. Therefore, it was necessary that the copies of the things in the heavens should be purified with these. But the... Uh, come on now. Come on, come on, come on. Can we go up? Let's go up a bit. Right, let's just go up a bit so that because I talked about this in the beginning, so let me um, substantiate it with scriptures. Let's go to verse 16. It's a long reading, but wherever I stop, it's fine. Verse 16 For where there is a testament, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. 
So you understand that in the beginning, I told you that we cannot have the New Testament until Jesus died. Did you follow that? This is the scripture for it. It says, if there is a testament, there must of necessity be the death of the testator. Because you cannot have, you know, your children cannot execute your will while you are still alive. So, the new covenant or the new testament can only be effected after Jesus had died. So, when Jesus died, that's when the new testament came into place. And it happened towards Acts. Right, okay. For a testament is in force after men are dead. Since it has no power at all while the testator lives. Therefore, not even the first covenant was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves, of goats, with water, scarlet, wool, high soap, and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, and saying, this is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you. Now, this is very funny because these are the things that God that was commanded in the Old Testament, but amazingly, these are the things we are coming back to blood of sprinkling these are the things we're coming back to and the scripture clearly says that this way foreshadow the things to come now then likewise he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry and according to the law almost all things are purified with blood and without the shedding of blood there is what there is no remission of sin go back home we don't have time go back home study the word remission just copy it out, look into the dictionary, study the word remission, the Greek word and the Hebrew word for remission. It says, if there is no blood, there is no remission of sin. And the blood of goats and calves could not do that for people. So what happened? Jesus had to do it on our behalf because his blood was pure. Right. Uh, Therefore, it was necessary that the copies of the things in the heavens should be purified with these. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than this. So that's one of the reasons Jesus ascended. For Christ has not entered the holy place made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. This in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 24 is what Jesus was referring to in John chapter 20 verse 17 when he told Mary that I have not yet ascended to the Father. Why was he telling Mary that I have not yet ascended to the Father? Because the blood had not been presented and sprinkled on our behalf. So what happened when Jesus went up to the Father? He says, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Right. Not that he shall offer himself often as the high priest enters the most holy place every year with the blood of another. He then would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Listen carefully to the next scripture we're going to read. And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this is the judgment, so Christ was offered to bear the sins of many to those who eagerly wait for him. He will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Now people use this to teach physical death and the judgment that God judges, judges us after death. But the context of what Jesus was talking about, or what the, the writer of Hebrew was talking about, was the appearance of God on our behalf for the wages of sin, which is that. That's what he was talking about. 
So you now hear a statement like, no man knows the time. No man knows the hour. It's you that don't know the time and the hour. You see, your life is dominated by your confessions. Confess long life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Even in the face of death, confess long life. But what was just talking about here, we're going to spend time to deal with all of this. But the death that comes with sin was the judgment that Christ took for every one of us. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay. Time is up. Let's, let's stop here. We'll build from here on Wednesday. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we just want to thank you for the eternal sacrifice that you've made on our behalf. And we pray, Father God, that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, these truths will dawn in our hearts. We will grow in it. We will deepen our understanding in it. In the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.